Hello and welcome to Bible 101. Today we're going to actually be teaching a lesson that the Lord gave me quite some time ago, and I've never really felt a release to preach this or teach this any place, but um, I'm going to actually teach this here on the podcast, and I hope that this will encourage you to seek God for personal direction in your life. Let me just start off by saying it's not the will of God for somebody that has received the gift of the Holy Ghost to just sit on a church pew for the rest of their life and never do anything for God. If God filled you with the Holy Ghost, there is a purpose, there is a reason. Acts 1 and 8 says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So it's not the will of God for God to just fill us with the Holy Ghost and us just sit on a church pew for the rest of our life and rejoice in our personal experience. God has a mission for us. And so that's pretty much what I'm going to be talking about here today. I'm going to take my reading from the book of Acts chapter number 11 and verse number 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phineas and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch. And when he came, and had seen the grace of God, and was glad, and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord." For he was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church, and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And in those days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Okay, uh, just a couple of facts about Antioch, and I, I've been doing some research in Bible dictionaries and things of that nature, so I pulled some information out of here. Antioch was the chief meeting point of East and West and the most uh, disrupt, uh, disreputable city in the world. It was the third largest city in the Roman Empire with a population of about 500,000. It replaced Jerusalem as the number one Christian city. During Paul's life, it was the capital of Gentile Christianity. So I want you to notice that it was a uh, place that was known for its great wickedness. It was not what you would consider to be a prime center for revival. Uh, it'd kind of be like, you know, one of the worst sections of, of, uh, of town, worst place to build a church. But that's exactly where God chose to build a phenomenal church. And it actually became um, the number one uh, Christian city for the Gentile community. And it actually replaced Jerusalem as the number one Christian city. Notice that they were found; uh, they were called Christians first in Antioch. And so, what I want to teach about here today is how to find your personal Antioch. How to find your personal Antioch. Now, you may ask the question, "Well, what do you mean by your personal Antioch?" This is kind of like um, I'm basically uh, gearing this toward finding your personal mission in Jesus finding the place that God wants you to be, finding that ultimate uh, uh, place of calling, if you will. And uh, I want you to notice, first of all, that Antioch would provide for the mother church in her time of need. Let's go back and read that here quickly. Let's go to uh, 
uh, verse number, uh, we'll, we'll start with verse number 27 of Acts 11. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit there, that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in uh, Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So notice that in the time of need, uh, Antioch provided for the mother church for Jerusalem. And uh, this is kind of, this is something I want to speak to you about because so many times uh, people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and I watch them come in and, and they get excited about their experience. But then after a time, uh, passes, they become comfortable with their Christian experience and they cease to share it with others um, and they just become comfortable and they sit there on the church pew and so many people do this. It's kind of like Jesus told the parable of uh, the sower that went forth to sow and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, the birds of the air came and devoured them up. Some fell among stony ground and sprung up, but because it had no depth of earth, it withered away and some fell among the thorns. This is what I want to compare that to and it says, it grew up, but the thorns choked it and it became unfruitful when the disciples said what is it, what do these parables mean uh, Jesus described the ones that fell among thorns as those that the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches grow up and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful and and so uh, a lot of people just get comfortable in their Christian experience and they don't you know they think well this Holy Ghost experience is wonderful isn't it great I'm just gonna sit here and enjoy this for the rest of my life and and uh, but that's not the will of God God wants us to bring forth fruit God wants us to discover our purpose in him. And uh, let me just say this in, in, in uh, beginning here. I'm not talking of your personal Antioch like I'm trying to call people to preach. That's certainly not what I'm trying to do. Not everybody's a preacher. But I do believe that every one of us have a calling. Uh, the book of Romans tells us that there is a calling to be a saint. Um, and so uh, the, the calling to be a saint, obviously to be perfected by God, but God does want us to bring forth fruit. The Bible says in the book of Matthew uh, chapter number three, that every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. So it is the will of God for us to bring forth fruit. And uh, also I'm thinking of the scripture in John where Jesus talks about every branch, uh, every, uh, branch that bringeth not forth fruit uh, or uh, my heavenly father will cut off. And I may have misquoted that a little bit, but uh, I don't have it in front of me here. But basically, if we don't bring forth good fruit, we're rejected. We must bring forth good fruit. That's not just talking about souls. That's talking about good works. Um, you know, the, the initial evidence of the Holy Ghost, hopefully you know this by now, I've, I've spent a lot of time teaching about it, is it is uh, speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. But that's only the initial evidence. I believe we should speak in tongues again and again and again. But then after that, the ongoing evidence is the fruit of the Spirit. And if you don't have fruit of the Spirit in your life, then, uh, you know, your, your, your uh, experience can be questioned. And I think rightfully so. Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruits, talking about the false teachers. And so we ought to bring forth fruit. So when I talk about finding your personal Antioch, I'm talking about bringing forth the fruit that God wants you to bring forth. And so I, I want to talk a little bit about what caused them to find their personal Antioch? What caused them to find it? Well, uh, one of the things that caused them to find their personal Antioch was uh, persecution arose and it forced them out of their comfort zone. So we're going to go back and, and we're going to read a little bit of this here. 
Let's go to chapter 11 of Acts, and uh, let's go to verse number 19. And I want, I want to just slow down, and we're going to read this carefully here. Now, they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phinehas and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Okay, so let's stop here long enough to talk about this. Now notice it was persecution that drove them out of their comfort zone. If you back up to Acts chapter number 8, you're going to see something very similar happen there. They were preaching in Jerusalem, and they, they had their little routine and their little ritual, and they were seeing God move, and great things were happening. But then uh, Saul of Tarsus starts persecuting the church, and it drives them out of their comfort zone. That's what caused the great revival in Samaria. And now we see a great revival happening in Antioch. Why? Because they were being persecuted. And let me just talk a little bit about this here. And now, I'm not just saying persecution. I'm also talking about sometimes God has to shake up our little routine in life to get us out of our comfort zone and to push us in to where he wants us to be. In this case, it was persecution coming from Saul of Tarsus trying to stop the work of God, throwing Christians into prison. Now, you may not face uh, being threatened with prison, but there may be different things. It may be a job loss. It, it may be a wreck. It may be health problems. It may be uh, something else that comes into your life. And so often we think of those things as a curse, but oftentimes it propels us to where we need to be in, in God. And uh, let me just say three things that persecution, or can I say trouble, does for us. Number one, it forces us out of our comfort zone. I've talked about that here a little bit. You can read about that in Acts chapter 8. Uh, and let's back up to read that just so we can actually catch the context. Chapter 8 of Acts and verse number 1 says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, talking about the death of Stephen. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. So notice, up to this point they've been preaching in Jerusalem, but when the persecution comes it forces them out of their comfort zone. And look at the great revivals that happened because they got out of their comfort zone. They were forced out. Uh, now remember, in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, Jesus told them, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. Notice, unto Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth, talking about to the Gentiles. But until that point, they were only preaching in Jerusalem and to Judea. But Jesus didn't want them to stay in Jerusalem. He didn't want them to stay in Judea. He wanted them to spread out and he told them to preach in Samaria. But for whatever reason, probably because of prejudice, they didn't want to go down there. But it took persecution to force them to obey the will of God, to force them out of their comfort zone. And, uh, you know, remember what Jesus said. He said uh, that uh, sometimes we have to be pruned in order to bring forth fruit. That pruning process is a painful process, but it's something that God has to kind of shake us up to get our attention and to move us out of our comfort zone. So that's the first thing that it does. And uh, uh, notice number two, this is something else that's interesting. Persecution can force closet Christians out into the open. And I, I want to go to something here. Let's go to the book of John, chapter number 12. 
John chapter 12 and verses 42 through 43. And this is what the scripture says. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, now this is talking about during the lifetime of Jesus. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praises of men more than the praise of God. So notice that they they, they believed on him, but they didn't want to confess him uh, because they were afraid of the Pharisees. They didn't want to be put out of the synagogue. They didn't want to uh, lose their position. And, uh, you know, we still deal with this today that we don't want to come out in the open and be an open witness for Christ. We're afraid somebody might make fun of us. We're afraid our family might cut us off. We're afraid that if we really truly take a stand for God, that uh, we're going to be mocked. We're going to be made fun of. But uh, but uh, here it says that they were afraid to confess him because of the Pharisees. They didn't want to lose their position. But then let's go to Acts chapter number six. So let's look at what happens here. Let's go to Acts chapter number six and verse number seven. And there's something here that's probably often overlooked. Acts chapter six and verse number seven. I'm taking time to turn there here in my Bible. It says in Acts six and seven, and the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. Watch this. And a great company of the priests, watch this, were obedient to the faith. Were obedient to the faith. When did this happen? Now, uh, you can you can talk a little bit about what happens after this. This is where Stephen is stoned. Right after this is where Stephen is stoned. They're starting to face some persecution. Jesus uh, arises. He ascends into heaven. And uh, now it's no longer time to be a closet Christian. You can't just hide behind uh, the Pharisaical way and, and, and hope you keep your position. But now it says a great number of the priests, not just a few, but a great number of the priests were obedient to the faith. And I remember reading one commentary, which has caused me to kind of look at this, it says at one point they were afraid to confess him, but now they were coming out in the open. What caused this to happen? Now there was a shaking, there was a stirring going on, and it forced closet Christians out into the open. So if you're going through a trial, God might be trying to, to cause you to come out into the open with your faith. Sometimes you, your, your routine gets shaken up. Sometimes you start to face uh, trouble from your family, and uh, you start to face trouble from the workplace and your boss may cuss you out and you may, you know, go through some things. Well, maybe God's trying to force you out into the open. Maybe you've been keeping your faith a secret and uh, it's time to come out in the open and bear fruit. Number three, the uh, persecution brings us before great men. It brings us before great men. Let's go to the book of Matthew chapter number 10 and verse number 16. Matthew 10 and verse number 16. And we're going to read this here, Matthew 10 and 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And I could talk a lot about that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get off on that rabbit trail, but there's a lot to be said about that. Um, when you're witnessing to somebody, use, use wisdom and, and don't just, you know, you're going to hell if you don't do da, da, da. Um, you know, use wisdom. Be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. A serpent knows where, when to strike. It knows when to come out into the open. It says, but be harmless as doves. So don't strike them like a serpent necessarily, but know when is the appropriate time 
to move in and preach the full gospel to them and then be harmless as doves. Harmless as doves. Don't offend them. The Bible talks about if we offend one of these little ones. And I understand this talking about the disciples uh, in context or it could even be talking about young uh, believers in Christ. But it says be harmless as doves. Don't offend somebody needlessly. But at the same time, we can't be afraid to preach the gospel. We gotta, we gotta, when God says to move, we've gotta move, okay? So be wise as serpent, harmless as doves, but beware of men for they will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you in their synagogues. Now, here Jesus is talking to the disciples. Now notice, and you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake. Why? Watch this verse. For a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. Now, oh man, there's so many things I could really talk about here. Now, notice Jesus is saying, uh, a great persecution is going to rise, and they're going to bring you before great men, before governors, before rulers. And the purpose for this is so that you can be a testimony before the Gentiles. Now, who lived this out? The disciples. Also, the Apostle Paul. And we could talk about other Christians that did that we don't even know about. But uh, the Apostle Paul, think about, he appealed unto Caesar. He went unto Rome. And how many heard the gospel? All those on the ship and, and all of those that he preached to in Rome. And uh, all of this in, in Agrippa. And we could talk about Felix. And we could talk about Festus. All of these men had to hear the gospel. Uh, why? Because Paul faced persecution and he was brought on trial. But that was God's way to get the gospel to spread. And, uh, and, and you know, let me just say this again. Sometimes trouble comes to our life. Sometimes to bring us before people we wouldn't normally speak to, uh, to bring us before men that maybe we wouldn't normally have access to, uh, to, to speak the gospel to, but God may use that as an open door. Now, I want you to notice something. Jesus said, when they bring you before these great men, don't take any thought beforehand how you ought to speak. He said, for it shall be given you in that hour what you shall speak. Now, I want to show you something pretty awesome, and then we're going to back up and talk about this a little bit more. Let's go over to Acts chapter number 4 and verse number 8. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Now, what is the context here? Peter and John uh, have, have uh, through the power of the Holy Ghost, that, that a leper, or excuse me, not a leper, a, a, a lame man was healed at the gate called Beautiful. And when he's raised up, he goes into the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. Peter, uh, Peter and John begin to preach there. And uh, the high priests and soldiers, they go and get these men. They're brought before the high council. Now, remember what Jesus said. When they'll bring you before great men, don't think about what you're going to say beforehand. It shall be given you in that very hour what you shall speak. Speak. Okay, it shall be given you in that very hour what you shall speak. So what happens when Peter opens his mouth to speak? Verse eight. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, "You rulers of the people and elders of Israel." And he goes on to preach, and he ends with such a great verse in verse twelve. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's a lot to be said about that, but I want to show you some more things. Let's go over to Acts chapter number six and verse number ten. Acts chapter six. And verse number 10. Okay, actually, let's back up to verse number uh, verse number eight. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. And there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called uh, in the synagogue of the Libertines, and Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. 
Notice that they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Remember, Jesus said, when they bring you before great men, and what happened when he comes in the next chapter, chapter seven, and they bring him before the high council, God starts giving him the words to speak. His face starts glowing as if it was the face of an angel. And uh, so God gave him the words to speak. Let's go over to Acts chapter 13 and verse number nine. Acts chapter 13 and verse number nine. And let's read this here. Then Saul who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. Now, what's the context here? Let me tell you. Paul is standing before a deputy of the country named Sergius Paulus, and there's a man named Elymas the sorcerer, uh, for so is his name by interpretation, verse number eight, is withstanding him and speaking against him. Remember, Jesus said, when you come before great men, don't worry about what you're going to speak because your heavenly father is going to give you that which you should speak. So in verse number nine, it says, then Saul, who is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost. God starts putting words in his mouth. Why? Because he's being brought before great men. Now let's go over to Acts chapter 13 and verses 50 through verse number 52. Acts 13, 50 through 52. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came unto Iconium. Now watch this. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. And I'm feeling the Holy Ghost even while I'm talking today, and I'm not even sure why I'm teaching this lesson on this podcast. But let me just say this to somebody. You might be facing some persecution right now. I don't know who I'm talking to, but maybe somebody's listening to this, that you're facing some difficulties. Maybe uh, maybe in the coming days, you're going to have to uh, to stand up before some great men, and, and you're going to have to testify, and, and, and you're going to have to try to defend something that you've done. Let me just say this. Don't worry about what you're going to speak, for it's going to be given you in that hour what you shall speak because we have that promise written right here in the word of God. Uh, but notice that no, normally when it talks about them being filled with the Holy Ghost, it's in the context of them facing great persecution, great persecution. And uh, so let me just say this here today, that if you really want God to use you, get ready because you're going to have to face difficult circumstances. But it's those difficult circumstances that, number one, force you out of your comfort zone. Number two, it forces us into the open. It brings us out of, uh, out of the, the closet, if you will. And I know that's that's kind of using the negative these days, but uh, it'll bring us out of the closet into the open to stop being closet Christians and stop just professing him in, in silence. Uh, notice that uh, Nicodemus, who was once a silent Christian, came out into the open after when Jesus was crucified. At that moment when it, was, when it would cost you more than it would ever cost you to profess that you would follow Jesus Christ, he boldly asked for the body of Jesus and, uh, 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 and uh, came out with... A, Excuse me, I believe it's Nicodemus was another one, uh, but the Bible also talks about, in fact, I could, I could take time to go back and read that. I don't want to misquote it there, um, uh, but it, it talks about um, uh, uh, the man, Simon, I believe it's Simon, uh, that came and begged for the body of Jesus. And uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry if I misquoted that earlier. I was talking about Nicodemus, but Nicodemus was also with him, the Bible says. And uh, so let me just let me just say a few things here uh, in, in, in uh, you know, in talking about this here is the fact that you may think that persecution is destroying your life, but it may not be destroying your life. It may be actually putting you right where God uh, wants you to be put. That may be exactly what's going on there. Amen. So 
there's a lot of things I could talk about. Excuse me, it was Joseph of Arimathea. I've been thinking all this time. So that's John chapter 19, verse number 38. It's Joseph of Arimathea that came. And the Bible also talks about verse number 39. There came also Nicodemus. So uh, that forced closet Christians out into the open. Verse uh, And then number three that I mentioned, it brings us before great men. And so while you may be going through some difficult times and, uh, you know, you may have to, uh, maybe, maybe I'm talking to somebody here. You're having to go in before the big boss because, uh, you know, you, you missed a day because of church or, or something you stood up for, for God on the workplace and you're having to be brought before the great boss. Don't worry about what you're going to say ahead of time. The God is going to give you what you ought to speak. Now, let me back up and talk a little bit about some of the prophecies of the end time some of the prophecies that's in the end time. And I'm not going to teach too much longer here. But in Micah chapter 4 and uh, verse number 1, uh, and there, there's a lot of scriptures I could read about this. And also you could read Isaiah chapter 2. It talks about in the last days that uh, the mountain of the Lord's house, it's going to be established or the house of the Lord is going to be established in the top of the mountains and all the nations shall flow into it. Look that up in Micah chapter 4, verse number 1, Isaiah 2 and 2. And uh, also my, Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 14, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. So how are we going to have such a great revival in the last days that the nations are going to flow into it. And I know somebody could say, you know, that, that's talking about the millennial reign. You're misunderstanding those two scriptures. You, you mentioned Micah 4 and 1 and Isaiah 2 and 2. But Jesus said, we're the light of the world. How are we going to be a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden if we never uh, face persecution and get brought before great men? And I believe in these last days, the church needs to rise up and be bold and not hide in the closet, not be afraid to stand up for what we believe. The days may come, ladies and gentlemen, that we're going to have to stand up for what we believe and stop just cowering every time that a new edict goes out. But we may have to stand up for what we believe and be counted and be counted. Okay, so uh, now let me let me back up here just for a little bit and talk about something. Noticed that it's the persecution, it's the difficult seasons of life, if I can put it that way, that force them out of their comfort zone to find Antioch. Now watch this though. I want you to think about something very, very carefully. This was a very strategic time. God knows what he's doing. If God's moving on you to do something, you better respond to God. Don't sit back and wait. Don't make excuses. Don't say, well, God, if this, 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 and this aligns, then I'll do this, this, and this. No. If God moves on you to witness to somebody, if God's moving on you to stand up for what you believe, if God's moving on you to take a stand for the truth, don't back down. Keep the faith. Stand strong and be bold bold for Jesus because there's a purpose. There's a reason. Okay. If these men had tried to stay in Jerusalem and not have gone out when the persecution came, number one, they would have been killed, but also notice the blessing that they would have missed out on. And again, I feel the Holy Ghost as I'm talking, but notice the blessing they would have missed out on because there was a famine coming. There was a famine coming to Jerusalem and God needed something to happen for there to be provision for that famine. And I want you to notice this. Let's go back and read it again. Uh, so it's Acts chapter number 11, verse 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phinehas and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews. 
Jews only, and some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, and that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus, to seek Saul, and when he found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. A lot I could say about that, I'm not going to. Verse 27, this is what I want you to notice. Okay, and this is where I really want to bear down, and I'm only going to spend a couple minutes longer to talk about this, but I, I really hope you get the gist of what I'm talking about. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul, by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Listen, if they had not gone into Antioch and built that great church and preached to them, then the mother church in Jerusalem, Judea, uh, all of those that, uh, that the gospel had started with would have starved to death if it had not been for them moving out of their comfort zone and going uh, to places where God led them into an uncomfortable place. Remember, it's the most disreputable city. Uh, it, it was a population of about 500,000. It was known for its incredible wickedness. Uh, it was the third largest city in the Roman Empire, the least likely place you could imagine for revival to happen. But when they got out of their comfort zone and they went into Antioch and they built that great church and preached the gospel to them, that church got to such a place where it was established and was able to provide for Judea in their time of greatest need. So what am I talking about here today? Um, let me just put it this way. That if you're discouraged and if you're going through something right now and, and you're facing depression and you're facing all kinds of agony and, and, and there's all these things, let me just tell you the greatest, there's nothing uh, in the world like investing in somebody else. There's nothing in the world like trying to reach another soul, like teaching Bible studies, like trying to reach out to the lost and bring them in. There is no joy like a soul winner's joy. And if you invest in somebody and you teach them Bible studies and you finally watch God fill them with the gift of the Holy Ghost and then be baptized in Jesus' name. There's no joy like that. And there's going to come a day where you're going to need that joy. There's going to come a day where you're going to need that because you're going to be going through difficult circumstances. And the only thing that's going to bring relief to your spirit is to see that person you've invested in, that person that you've reached for, that can now be an encouragement to you. Sometimes it's just through watching them live for God. Uh, sometimes it's, 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 it's through them encouraging you and strengthening you in your time of need. You know, uh, the Bible talks about honor your father and mother. And we often think that, uh, you know, this, this commandment is written in the book of Exodus chapter 20, verse number 12. And we often think of that as, you know, just meaning showing respect to your father and mother. But that's not all it means. Actually, it's talking about that the, the children, it's talking about money. Look up that word. Look it up if you don't believe me. Honor your father and mother. So uh, 
Paul talked about in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 14, I believe it is. He said that the parents ought not to lay up for, uh, or excuse me, the children not ought to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. But then when the parents become old and no longer able to provide for themselves, the roles are then reversed. That's why Paul said in the book of 1 Timothy chapter uh, number 5 and verse number 4 that he said widows that have children, the church ought not to have to provide for them, but it ought to be the children's job to provide for the parents because you're returning the favor. They took care of you when they were young, or when you were young, excuse me, and so when they become old, uh, then you provide for them. So let me just say this. If, if you've never invested in somebody else, who's going to provide for you in your time of need? Who's going to help you in your time of need? You need an Antioch in your life. And sometimes, you know, uh, uh, this is what I hope uh, I encourage people to do is start praying, God, where's my Antioch at? God, what is my calling? God, what's my mission? What's my purpose? And, and, and start asking God to lead you and guide you. And don't be surprised when God answers that prayer and kind of shakes your world up a little bit and starts driving you out of your comfort zone because uh, you don't know. There may be a famine coming down the road. There may be something you're about to go through and you're going to need that Antioch in your life. You're going to need that soul that you've won to God in your life because they're going to encourage you in your time of famine, in your time of spiritual dearth. So, uh, let me just say this, and, and, and I, could, I could take time to go and read in the book of Psalms where it talks about, uh, uh, you know, uh, that children are like uh, arrows in the, in the, in, in the bow, uh, like in the hand of a mighty man. And, and it also talks about that he shall speak with his enemies in the gate. And I'm not going to take time to get into all the interpretation of what that means. I know it's talking about literal children, but I think it can also be applied to spiritual children, that there's going to come a day where the adversary is going to come against your soul. And some of the greatest protection is if you have some spiritual babies that you've invested in, that you've poured yourself in. It's kind of like a, a pastor preaches to the saints and he builds builds up the saints and he builds up the saints. But then uh, I could take time to go through the scriptures where Paul talked about all of the prayers that he poured into the saints. But then he turned around, he said, brethren, pray for us. Brethren, pray for us. Go look it up. He says it many times, pray for us because there comes a time where he's invested in all of those spiritual babies of his. And then uh, the roles become reversed. And he says, now I need you to pray for me. Now I need you to reach for me. Now I need you to, to build me up in prayer. Because there were times where Paul was in prison and he needed the saints to provide for his needs. He needed them uh, to pray for him. And so let me just encourage you today, don't just sit on a church pew. If God's filled you with the gift of the Holy Ghost here recently, or maybe you've, you know, I'm talking to a saint that's been in the church for many years, don't just sit on a church pew and feel justified and feel good about yourself. Start praying, God, show me my personal Antioch. I'm doing it, and I pray that you'll do it too. Amen. I hope this lesson has been of great benefit to you. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much, Lord, for this opportunity that we've had to study your word. I'm asking God that you would help us to find our personal Antioch. Help us to get plugged in to your purpose, to your mission, to your destiny. And God, I pray anybody under the sound of my voice right now, God, that maybe their world's starting to get shaken up a little bit. Maybe you're trying to lead them to Antioch. God, help them to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost, I pray, and to find their Antioch. Help me to find my Antioch. Help us all in these last days to find the purpose and mission for which you've called us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to Bible 101.